This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? My name is Tina Amini. I will be your temporary host again, covering for Damon. Can you believe that slacker? And joining me today are Samuel Claiborne. Hey, everyone. And two special returning guests. We have frequent NBC host Kat Bailey. Hello. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Oh, my goodness. Indeed. That's right. It will pub- this episode will publish by then. Um, and of course, Colin Stevens making his scooptastic return to the show as well. Hi, Colin. <laughs> Hi. Also, happy St. Patrick's. My mom oh, made me you. wear this. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> she was worried about me getting pinched. <laughs> Digitally across the camera. <laughs> um, we have a great show for you again this week. This is episode 668. Again, just go with it. Everything will be okay. I promise. Mm-hmm. All will be shown in due time. Uh, we're going to be talking about some new information on Dead Space, Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy, and Starfield, thanks to several news drops over the last time, over the last week, and since the last time you heard from the Scoop crew. But first, uh, Tunic, an action adventure indie game released just this week. Uh, we have a review up on the site, um, but also Sam has been playing the game. Um, yeah. So, Sam, I would love to to hear from you. What is Tunic? How have you been enjoying Tunic? Sure. Yeah, I um, I I'm obsessed with this game. It's all I want to do right now is play this game. So I'm really excited for Tunic. I was excited. You know, I've been talking about this in GameScoop as a game I'm looking forward to, but I had no idea what to expect. So what I was, you know, hoping for was a Zelda-like, right? Like a top-down, like cool, like, slash things and, and solve puzzles, Zelda-like. But there's been a lot of games like that recently um, that don't have all of the elements of Zelda or like an interesting twist on Zelda, but they're just like a Zelda-like and that's fine. This goes like beyond what I expected. It First of all, um, it has a really awesome sense of hidden stuff and exploration. 
perfect for Zelda, right? Like that's what you need. But the way it hides stuff is like totally unexpected. It's not what I thought was going to happen. A lot of it is because it's in this like isometric perspective. There's like all this stuff hidden in plain sight that uh, you just don't realize until the game kind of shows you later. Like I think from the beginning of this game, you can do so much, but you just do not realize it because even though you have those skills or abilities or even uh, have a right next to a shortcut, you like actually can't figure that out. And then you feel like, I cannot believe this was in plain sight before. I love that feeling. I've never really played a game like that. And um, so, so that's really cool. Uh, I also like to play a lot of Zelda likes that are, that don't have like an overworld. And I think an overworld is really important. This game absolutely has an overworld. Um, and it's a kind of a neat mashup of a Mario 64 castle, which is like, you know, that's like a micro overworld. It's a lot to explore and a bunch of cool stuff, but like, it's, it, it's not like, um, you know, like like a link to the past overworld. This is like a meeting of those two. There's like this cool like kind of 3D um you know thing to explore but then also it's laid out on this beautiful map. Um so I really like that and that like that, that answered a question I had about that game going in. And then uh another thing I wanted to call out was that um there's a uh just this kind of overall bookend to the game that's that's an actually a book i did not mean i did not mm-hmm. intend that um the but uh you pick up pages of an nes style manual it has illustrations it has strategy guide stuff it has little maps it has tip pages but you get them out of order and they're not in english entirely they're they're, they're in a made-up rune language and um maybe we'll be able to translate that eventually which is a kind of a cool like meta like um like uh, fez had but um while you're playing this game that's why i was talking about like some things like you don't realize you could be doing from the beginning of the game because it's like you know some kind of activity that you get from a an instruction booklet page and that is how you progress sometimes sometimes it's not like i got a new tool to get around here sometimes it's like i have knowledge now that i didn't have before and it works so well and the pages are like really adorable and there's like little illustrations in them and every time i get one i'm just obsessed and then you I just you, I always open the manual and flip through it and like it adds your notes to it eventually and stuff. It's just all of that like coming together is like um, it's like a total Zelda fan project that like does something that Zelda never did. But it's also like breaking the fourth wall, like like a like a classic Zelda game. So obviously it would get my highest honors. Um, it reminds me of Death's Door in combat, by the way. It's like a really difficult mm-hmm. combat set. You roll around, you stab, you shoot magic. It's that kind of thing. And then it has, you know, people are comparing it to the Dark Souls type of games because of that, too, because of that combat. And because also it's really hard, but you also can level up and you know you can explore and find things that will have you level up, which is another very obscure thing to figure out. And once you figure that out, you're like, you so powerful. Um, what's really cool is that uh, there was an idea at Xbox stream this week, which revealed that this was uh, free on Game Pass or whatever. You know, it's, it's available to Game Pass subscribers, which is amazing. So uh, another good reason right now to uh, to uh, pick up one of those short free Game Pass subscriptions or, or actually subscribe full on, depending on what you want to do. But Tunic, play it. It's a total GameScoop game, I think. Yeah, man, you covered all the bases. I was going to say that there's, you know, even a little bit of an aesthetic comparison to Death Store. And mostly the comparison for me is coming because that game released last year. And it's also cute and it can also be difficult. But yeah, the Dark Souls or rather the Soulsy reference that I've heard people Mm -hmm. um, speaking about Tunic around is is really like the difficulty and especially with the boss fights in particular, too. Yeah, you know, there's like the certain Dark Souls like there's the feel of like re- there's really big bosses and then there's also like nimble bosses and you basically have to like figure out how to handle them. Like you're either rolling or you're, or you're countering a lot and stuff like that. And like this game, like you'll, you'll fight a boss 15 times and then you'll beat it 
And then next time I could play that boss, I could probably beat it again. I really like games like that. Um, Metroid uh, uh, Dread was just like that. You know, it just seemed like the bosses were insurmountable when you first uh, fought them. Mm. But you could, you know, level up a bit. You could uh, uh, learn their their ways and then go at them. You know, very old school, but very contemporary feeling. Cat Colin, is this game on your guys' radar? It is now. I uh, <laughs> literally didn't know it existed until yesterday. I nice. don't. I don't follow indie release schedules that closely, but I usually go by reward of mouth. My colleague, mm-hmm. Reb Valentine, is very up on the indie releases. Mm-hmm. And so when this one came along on Xbox Game Pass, I was like, okay, this looks great. I love the instruction manual stuff. It's a great callback to the 8-bit era. It's wonderful. Uh, shout out to Polygon, by the way, for their wonderful illustrated mm-hmm. review. That was a, a great idea and very much in kind of in line with the look and feel of this game. It's very wholesome. And it's a lot like how I kind of wish that the Zelda Link's Awakening remake for the Switch had been. Like mm. this game has that look to it, but it's not overbearing in the way that that game is. And I know that I'm like the first person <laughs> to actually kind of go after the look of that game. But mm. what can I say? I have opinions. What can I say? But <laughs> yeah, no, Tunic looks great. It looks like one of those kinds of games that come out every single year that just comes out of nowhere and ends up on game of the year list. And so I will definitely be playing it. I just downloaded it on Xbox game pass last night and come on, come out to switch already. I want to play it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. Those kind of games made for switch truly. Yeah. I, uh, I have it downloaded. Um, and I love Zelda likes, especially, you know, the top down ones just because, you know, we don't get them, uh, super frequently from Nintendo anymore. Um, and I'm not sure when we'll get another one. Um, but I'm extremely excited, and normally I like to play games front to back individually, just that game, and then move on to the next game, then move on to the next game. Like I don't like to break up playing games. I'm playing Elden uh, Ring right now, and I love it. But with FromSoft games, I intentionally break up those games oh, to give myself a little mm. bit of a break, give it a little little bit of a palate cleanser. And my palate cleanser was going to be Kirby. Um, mm-hmm. Because it looks just jolly and he looks actually like a tongue. So the palate cleanser bit would make more sense. Um, but, <laughs> uh, and he eats things. It's, it's, it's the whole thing. It's perfect. Um, uh, but I think it might be tunic now. I think I might use both as palate cleansers because this game, Elden Ring is far too big. So, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat my next boss in Elden Ring and then I'm gonna hop over to tunic. So I'm excited to start it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're frustrated with a boss in Elden Ring, you can swap over to being frustrated <laughs> with a boss in Tunic and back it's, and forth. Mm-hmm. It might, yeah. That might happen. Just, <laughs> That's you know. probably yeah. what's going to happen, yeah. You can always fine-tune and come back and fight in, in a different yeah. way. Uh, but the, the just the colors alone are like, you know, that opposite mm. thing of, of, of from Elden Ring. So you're, you're going to come in like, just like have, you know, it's, it's a delightful game and it's just so much yeah. light and, and, and shadows and like cool yeah. stuff on like, on primary colors. Like it's just, it's just a wonder to behold. My cat likes watching it too. Mm. It's attractive. I'm in a, I'm in a very fun. dreary rem- morose part of Elden Ring right <laughs> yeah. now. So which one? Nice. Uh, the red one, the very red area. I think everyone <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
I'm still too early on. I've, I've managed to make a couple more hours in. I'm taking it at a slow pace. And I started Elden Ring trying not to pay attention to too many guides, just a couple things that I needed definitions and direction on. Um, but I fully hit the zone of like, okay, I'm an astrologer. So what is, what is the next staff I should get? What's the area I should go for proper leveling for my particular character? I'm full in guide zone now and <laughs> focused on exploration and, you know, trying to avoid the big baddies that are very scary and they come at me pretty fast, even when I'm on my trusty steed. Um, but yes, that is uh, two difficult games to play back to back, apparently. And um, I'm very much of the phenomenon of um, sleeping on it because I definitely feel like I have renewed energy and perspective on boss battles. So that seems like a good strategy, mm. Colin. I, I know this um, is very much a game journalist problem, but it does feel mm. like there are a few two amazing games out at the moment. Mm-hmm. I want to <laughs> juggle and play all of them. But also, another part of me feels like it's just blasphemous to play literally anything mm. but Elden Ring mm-hmm. at this right. point. <laughs> so it's pretty difficult. So I'm like, every time I boot up Tunic or Triangle Strategy, I'll oh, be yeah. look, kind of side-eyeing Elden Ring and being like, but I could be playing that right now. It's just <laughs> or right Elden there. Ring is side-eyeing you like you could be playing me right now and you're just <laughs> wasting your time with all these other games. <laughs> Uh, Well, Ryan McCaffrey, our official reviewer for Tunic, gave it a nine. Um, Go check out his review. He said, Tunic is an unapologetically challenging action adventure game that is charming, multi-layered, and immensely rewarding to solve. Sounds like about your experience so far, Sam. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the multi-layered thing. I mean, there's one other thing to mention. Like, it's an isometric game, which means, you know, the camera's locked in this one angle. And you kind of jiggle that a little bit. But the whole thing is built like a ziggurat or pyramid. So, like... Uh, you know, as you progress through the game, you get kind of get like higher and higher up this like slope because everything's like this kind of um, it's like, a you know, let's say if you slice down the middle, it'd be like a layer cake with all these different colors in it. And um, I never really played a game like that. It's like it's, it's just a, mm. you can like you could make this out of Lego. You know, it's really cool. That sounds awesome. Well, go check it out, Scoop listeners, especially if you have a Game Pass subscription because it's free to you as of as of its release. Um, so that was very cool news we got from the ID mm-hmm. at Xbox showcase this week, too, which was yet another thing that happened. Um, but in the most recent news, we literally all, as we're recording this, we literally all just watched um, the very first proper reveal of uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Um, we haven't really heard or seen much of that game Uh just it's it was been it was leaked in 2018 i believe so it's been quite a while and it was this whole time it was supposed to release in 2022 and they actually did just confirm that um today following the state of play showcase that it's targeting a holiday release for this year so sounds like everything was going well and the showcase itself showed a really fleshed out hogwarts world um which was incredible because i think i personally had a lot of hesitation around i've played some of the 360 um era harry potter games and they were a little bit minimal, you know, scratching at some good ideas, but not really diving into this like big landscape of a of a Hogwarts compound um, with tons to do. And it seems like this is the opposite. This seems like, you know, the next generation um, of a Harry Potter game. So it was uh, pretty cool to finally see what this game is actually going to look like, what you're going to do. Um, some of the general things that we learned is it's set in the 1800s. You are a fifth year student, but new to Hogwarts. So there's, of course, going to be some awkward uh, encounters and ribbing for for being a newbie at school, I'm sure. Uh, and it seems like the larger overarching narrative is that you're up against a potential goblin rebellion. So that seems like the focal point as far as a villain and motivation goes. 
Um, but we saw a lot of other things, There's a lot of different activities you could participate in. You go to classes, you can brew potions, you can save creatures and rehabilitate them because they're out there in the world and they might be corrupted um, by dark magic or they might just be in need of rescuing. Um, so there's just tons that you can do and a lot of callbacks like this scene we're looking at if you're watching um, the, the video version of this podcast today. Uh, a lot of like callbacks to, to scenes from the movies as well. Um, what did you guys think? What's what stuck out? Uh, and, you know, are you excited for 2022's release? I wish they had made this game 10 years ago. Oh, exactly. <laughs> when I was still much more excited about Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. um, putting aside the elephant in the room that is the creator. I think that Harry Potter's media has not been great, particularly mm. lately. The last Fantastic Beasts movie was abject. <laughs> it was just horrible. Oh, no. And it's to the point where I only, I just kind of hold on to the original books and go, yeah, th mm -hmm. this is the Harry Potter that I like. I was way more invested in it a while ago. Having said, and I've, having said that, I've always wanted this game in particular, the magic school. RPG. I'm a student. I get to get mm -hmm. sorted into the house. Hufflepuff. And <laughs> I, so I will be playing it one way or another for all of my mm -hmm. feelings about Harry Potter these days. I'm definitely going to be picking it up. I think it's an interesting time period that has not been fully explored at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for something that's not in the Fantastic Beast range because I think that area has been kind of very tinged by a lot of problems, starting with the fact that the movies just were not good. But I'm kind of curious if we're going to see young Dumbledore. I think he was around in the mm. 1880s. I guess Whoa. there's going to be hopping. I guess they're going to be tackling um, the Goblin Rebellions, which is mm -hmm. going to be bringing its own kind of interesting issues with it. Because <laughs> yeah. just look at all the discourse around goblins in that game. So it's going to be an interesting game. I don't envy the task in front of the actual developers. It's been in development for quite a long time. But I think that the 14 minutes or whatever that they showed, like, actually were very impressive. Like, mm -hmm. on a just, in a surface level, you just look at this trailer, you go, wow, this looks really good. Yeah, this looks like a good game. So... Yeah, if, yeah, absolutely. If ten year old Colin saw this, his mind would have been absolutely blown. Because <laughs> mm. I played a lot of those Harry Potter games from like the PS1, PS2 era, and they were bad for the most part. Some of them were okay, but for the most part, they were very, very bad. But I still played a whole hell of a lot of them. Um, but I think what, what struck me about this game is it, it looks massive. It's not just Hogwarts, you know, there's Hogsmeade, mm -hmm. there's Gringotts, there's a bunch of just massive outdoor things that you can fly around on a hippogriff and look at and hit with spells and you know whatnot um but it also looks incredibly dense in detail like there's just so mm -hmm. many every room you go into in hogwarts looks like it's like meticulously uh designed and from you know all four of the different houses uh rooms to to uh, all the classrooms to even just the hallway all of the portraits are all you know individually moving like they should be um <laughs> and some and of them are puzzles I know. And there's just so much to do, it looks like. And mm -hmm. so I'm just I'm just incredibly excited to sort of, um, you know, take a running jump and, and dive into that world. Um, one thing that I noticed was you can use forbidden spells in this game. And like the character yeah, straight up tried to kill. Yeah, he straight yeah. up tried to kill somebody. <laughs> and they, well, maybe, they did tease maybe that. that. Maybe that's mm -hmm. why they turned them into forbidden spells, because your character is just a maniac. 
Yeah, it's the character that caused laws to be written. It's like a Darth Vader story. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, that's the thing is like the the majority of the books, um, disregarding Fantastic Beasts, like the majority of the books are set in like the 1900s. So by that point, they're forbidden spells, but maybe in the 1800s, I'm not uh, completely up on my extensive Harry Potter lore to, to really know if that was... Uh, information that was dropped at any point of time, but it could definitely be like maybe this is the event that murder and torture were actually encouraged in the 1800s. <laughs> in the 1800s, I mean, it was the 19th century. <laughs> One of the classes. Yeah, it does feel a little bit fitting. Certainly creates some some drama for you to figure your way out through. <laughs> yeah, your potion class, and you got murder and torture. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of killing in this game. Like it's like Jedi Fallen Order levels yeah. of killing, and it looks like similar combat too. Now that I think about it, um, but um, uh, there's like you know. A man gets turned into stone and then kicked over. Like that's there's no coming back from that. And they, they mentioned like there's like I don't know anything about Harry Potter, but they mentioned that there's like uh, uh you know bad wizards, and those are just mm-hmm. those are just people living their lives, right? No, they're evil. You go to the dark side in Harry Potter. Yeah, it's like becoming yeah. a Sith. Yeah, there's a dark side. Yeah, and they're the ones that are supporting the goblins in their um rebellion. So that's part of the whole like you know here's the here's the I know the story. so I know enough about Harry Potter uh, to, to know that like. Yeah, Harry Potter himself gets embroiled in serious uh, uh, situations that involve life and death, right? I think that that's fair to say. Um, but I, I do, I do think it's funny to see the gamification of like the, the Uncharted effect, I guess we can call it, right? Where it's like, well, you got to kill something. So it's like this little kid going through and like using fire to like burn a bunch of animals and people. That's uh, from an outside. But they're corrupted animals, so it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's totally fine. Maybe they just need to be adopted <laughs> and rehabilitated. Um, I, I think this is the first time that. What Hagrid that does? Yes. I think this is the first time I've seen combat in a Harry Potter game actually look fun. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in absolutely. fact, even in the movies, often the combat was, was a little <laughs> weird. I guess they kind of turned the, the wands into almost like swords. And so you're kind of yeah. fencing. Unless you're Robert Pattinson, then you're holding it like a gun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it looks cooler. Or they're shooting like red beams mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. looking at it, it looks fast and it has a flow to it. It's very dynamic and yeah. it looks fun. And you can tell they put a lot of work into mm-hmm. actually getting the combat to make sense in the Harry mm-hmm. Potter sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same way, too, because I think there was a really um, easy risk for this for this to just feel like a gun. But it looks like a wand. Um, but they I, I was really impressed with a lot of the combos that were happening and there are spells and then there are enchantments. You can you can do enchantment or enchant your weapons like there was enough variety that you could tell you could kind of thread together a combo you can block you can counter um, you can use a mandrake mm-hmm. i saw that mandrake you can get freaking some people out yeah, yeah. murdering there's, people um, too <laughs> there's like there's a there's like force pushing and pulling which is like really mm-hmm. good in video games i always like that when i can grab something and pull it near me and beat it up and then throw it away or whatever like yeah that, that's like always a good feeling yeah and it's very familiar. Like there have definitely been other games that have yeah. different kind of universal, con- um, their own universe's concept of like magic or some sort of sci-fi ability. So it's it's very familiar. Um, like it looks cool and unique in the way that you can thread things together, but it's also very familiar, which to me is a good thing because it means like, okay, this looks like it'll be fun to play mm-hmm. and the combat will be able to string together. Although I am curious if uh, in the same way that um, Aloy is really chatty, um, although they patched that out uh, in Horizon Forbidden West, I do wonder if you're just like, you know, 
Osseo, Osseo, Osseo on everything, and the, the dialogue gets no, a little bit know it's not verbal spells. After a while. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's true. There are some. There are some. Yeah. And apparently, your companions continue teach you unique spells too. So there's just a lot to explore, a lot of people to talk to, and um, different things that you can just, you know, to your point, Colin, that you were saying earlier. Like it's not just Hogwarts; it's the entire grounds, but it's also like the surrounding areas and parts of the city and some of the, you know, locale and shops and stuff. You so know, it does seem like uh, yeah. a very full open world. I want to mention one cool thing that I heard that one they showed a bunch of cool stuff, but like the, the developer at one point said like, Hey, you know, I felt like we had an obligation to show what is beyond. I don't know the names of the places. There's like a forest he mentioned and then maybe a lake. Um, but beyond he's like, the what forbidden we- <laughs> forest. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And then, um, and then and that's where like, there's centaurs or something. Right? And then beyond the lake uh, too. But uh, so when I was a kid and I really liked a world like that, and, uh, you know, if I wanted to play a game about it or read more about it or something like that expansion of like, ooh, what's what's what what happens if I just walk this direction? That is that is games for me. Like, that's mm-hmm. my favorite thing. So I think, you know, as that's already exciting for me, not knowing the universe very well. But I think for people that like, you know, enjoy the universe, it, that, that sounds really cool. And especially when they incorporated the flying um, epigraph. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, just because I heard you say it earlier and then uh, the, and I've heard my sister say it about 5000 times. Um, <laughs> and then that also the I guess they just call them broomsticks, right? The brooms. Just, yeah. The yeah. flying brooms. Yeah. Um, that's like amazing. Like, when, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's, well, that's a that's a brand like that's a specific kind. That's, that's, that's the one that they that they award <laughs> Harry Potter for free, right? Because I've read half of one of those books. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know so much more Harry Potter than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. Because because <laughs> about three months ago, I drove to Palm Springs and, and was uh, forced to listen to half of an audio book for the first book, ah. which which I enjoyed. I wasn't you know it was fine. Yeah, uh, it's like it's Taco good. Bell on a trip, right? Like you you just have to. Yeah, just, you have no sure. choice. You might as well enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Road that trip was... guilty pleasures. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, uh, I think the only other thing that, um, well, a, I'm very curious how the sorting hat is actually going to work. It's one of the first things that they showed in the trailer, but are you going to have dialogue options? Are you going to be having a conversation with the sorting hat in the same way that Harry Potter and all mm. the other characters do? Um, when you get a look in, inside their head it, or like vampire, mm. the masquerade bloodlines where the sorting hats basically giving you a test. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. It's like, how would you react to blank? Then we yeah. can make a guide around it. Yeah. Is that, does oh, that yeah, make your character true. in Vampire the Masquerade? Is that like yeah, how you're like it, it asks you a series of questions, kind of like a survey. And that's okay. how you end up with whatever character you do. I think they do that in Ultima 4. As oh, well. yeah. The yeah. point is, I'm Dang. pretty sure the hat, but if they're smart, they'll just, you'll put on the hat and you'll be like, so what do you want to be, kid? Yeah. <laughs> you remember in the, I mean, um, the that's how Harry Potter gets, you know, gets put into Gryffindor because he asked yeah. for it, essentially. Yeah. Where Maybe do the quiz because it's cute and fun. Get and then at the end, if it's not what you want, you can just manually change it. You want to join Slytherin yeah, and be a white supremacist? Well, yeah. <laughs> do you want to be what is clearly the Nazis? Then I mean, maybe in the 1800s, because allegedly the history of Slytherins was just like very powerful, talented um, which is a wizard. So maybe in the 1800s, they were still cool. Oh, they haven't got on the, off the path yet. No, yeah. Salazar Slytherin was like a supremacist. It was bad. Yeah, that was the founding of Slytherin. And Uh-oh. then they all turned out to be rich, too. So Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, that definitely makes for better quality humans for sure. uh, yeah. every time. <laughs> the, <laughs> that combination, especially what um, the, the uh, I wanted to mention one other character creator thing this makes me think of because it's adorable. And the first Animal Crossing 
in GameCube, when you're sitting on a train, um, an animal starts talking to you and asking you questions. And depending on how you answer those questions, it, it makes your face a different face for the rest of your life. Oh, that's amazing. And so you, if you want like a face, <laughs> like a triangle nose and like big, it's pre me. Right. So it's like mm. in me, it's the same type of idea, though. It's like this, like, you know randomization to features in this though that looks like a me and then you just could you can come out though with like these like bugged out like i've had too much coffee eyes and you just look like that forever because you answered a question about like what's your favorite month mm. <laughs> um well last thing on this topic uh before we move on to talk about starfield um and cat maybe you know this uh because i think i saw you chatting in slack about maybe some of the because there were some unfamiliar creatures to me and then the developers in the behind the scenes video following the gameplay were talking about how cool it was that they got to bring in, you know, their own touch on this universe and kind of like their own creation. So it seemed to me like there were some creatures that were visualized for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I think you said something about maybe some of them were from Fantastic Beasts. And I have not followed that part of the series closely at all, because to your point, they're not great. The movies are not great. So maybe, somebody uh, said that they saw a nibbler. I believe that's what they're called from Fantastic mm -hmm. Beasts. This is very cute little creature that Nuke's commander keeps along yeah. with him. So I wouldn't be shocked if they brought the creatures in from Fantastic Beasts because those are easily the best part of those movies. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was a lot of references to creatures overall and you being able to explore them outside the bounds of Hogwarts. Yeah. So that would make a lot of sense. Let's be honest. And if then, they do bully, but it's magic, I think we'll have a pretty good game. Oh, yeah. Ah, this yeah. is the real bully, too. There we go. Yeah, exactly. You know, what do you do when you can't get a sequel? You make one, you make it Harry Potter. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> this episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. All right, well, on to the Starfield topic. Uh, we also got some uh, new news for, for Starfield. We got a developer roundtable video on the space-based open-world RPG from Bethesda um, just this week. Um, and there was a, not a lot of footage. There was a lot of concept art, but there was a lot of conversation about different elements of the game. And I think that was honestly just as valuable because there's still a lot of elements that were kind of unknown. I think the thing that was most exciting for me is the dialogue system um, and how much they were talking about your interactions with NPCs uh, and that they want it to feel like a very unique, organic conversation. And the thing that really stuck out to me 
um, was Will Shen, who's the lead quest designer who's speaking in, in that video, in that roundtable video, had said that there was that they didn't want there to be anything where there was a situation where there was the right thing to say. And I find the complexity of that really fascinating um, and like exciting because I you can always tell when there are dialogue choices like, you know what, this is probably what the developer wants me to say, like this is the right thing to say, the right path towards where like I get this person on my side, I get this item, I open up this quest line, whatever. So you kind of, you know, you might follow along a guide, make sure you don't miss anything. But I like the more organic nature of being able to do something else, but you still, you don't miss out on whatever it is. I don't know if that's how it's going to translate, but that's to me how I interpreted what they said about it. So I think that was really exciting. Um, And Todd Howard even said that he felt as far as like, you know, some of the systems that dialogue systems that um, he's worked on in the past that his team's worked on in the past, that this was one of the most successful systems that they've had. So I praise from, from the games game director. What did you guys think? If that ends up being the case, it'll be really positive because Fallout 4 was pretty roundly criticized for its dialogue for being way too limited. And so I hope that Starfield manages to hit a much better middle ground in that. That goes for the choices as well. One of the problems consistently with the Todd Howard Elden, uh, Elden Ring, Elder Scrolls <laughs> games and Fallout <laughs> games is that they will eventually railroad you. They'll give you the illusion of freedom but they'll railroad you into like one or two mm-hmm. choices, usually just picking a faction. So I hope that they take a lot of cues from Fallout New Vegas in particular and give you a lot of freedom in that regard. I mean, so far, so good. Um, if they are really overhauling the dialogue system and I like the four different factions that you can choose, I hope that you get a lot more freedom and the direction that you end up going ultimately. We'll see. But I, yeah. I mean, Starfield's my most anticipated game of the year, so I'm going to play oh, nice. regardless. And, and, and along those lines, uh, I remember they were talking about the Crimson Fleet, which is like the space pirate action, mm. and how they're like kind of abjectly like bad, just sort of portrayed that way at the very least. But like you could join them and you could also like kind of mess with them from the inside. You could be like a sabotage. Mm-hmm. So like stuff like that sounds very intriguing to me. Like you have to have a complex dialogue system in order to sort of pull off something as complicated as, you know, infiltrating a faction and going against the faction. You know what I mean? Um, So stuff like that has me excited. Um, The annoying thing is that we haven't seen the game at all. At all yet. (laughs) We've gotten one uh, story trailer. Mm -hmm. It's out this fall. yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's coming close. Uh, eleven twenty-two or no, eleven eleven twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, it. November eleven. It's exactly yeah. eleven years after Skyrim. Um, and it, <laughs> that's it, a bit of too fine a point on it. I know. Um, but Todd Howard has said that they're going to show off gameplay this summer, and I'm sure they will. They have to at some point. Um, yeah. But it's it's hard. It's a little hard for me to get excited just based off of sort of dev diaries alone. EA has really taken to doing a lot of dev diaries. They've done it during like E3 presentations and EA Play stuff for years now. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's a particularly effective way to market a game. Um, that being said, it is nice to get sort of a peek behind the curtain. Um, and uh, everything they've been saying has me excited. So we'll see if it uh, sticks the landing. I actually think that the dev diaries are probably creating a groundswell among the super hardcore who've been following the development of Starfield very closely. Mm. And this is very common with Bethesda where they will wait. I mean, they didn't even show Fallout 4 until E3 
that year. And they're like, and then it's coming out three months later. Right. So get ready for that. Same so, as 76. Yeah, exactly. So I think that we'll get a huge amount of new gameplay in a couple mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. in June. But in the meantime, they're just kind of stoking the fires a little bit and being like, don't yeah. worry, here's little dribs and drabs of info for all of you hardcore fans who will mm-hmm. keep the kind of the word <laughs> of mouth going for this game. If I, re- if I remember correctly, did they announce Fallout 3 and release it in the same year? Mm, that was or a long least, time ago. Or at least show the <laughs> yeah, gameplay at E3? Because I, Def- if I remember correctly... For- Definitely for four and and seventy six, they did that thing though where they're like nobody knew. I mean, there's leaks, but nobody knew about these games until they were uh, at, at the summer before they're out. They showed them, so I yeah. think that it, like in the history of Bethesda, this is like better than that, right? Because we're actually getting more mm-hmm. than just like surprise. Our game's mm-hmm. coming out, um, so that's good. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and then I would also add that that should lead to people not being like normally like not seeing a game the year that it's. Supposed to come out is like kind of a bad sign. It's like that that game's probably going to be delayed, but that's not a takeaway you can really have here because they've they mm. this is just a this is just a, a variation on a marketing beat that they've already had. Yeah, mm. Bethesda can show their game whenever the heck they want. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yep. Uh, so I, I I'm looking it up, and Fallout Three came out in 2008, oh and God. it was 2004 that they sent out a press release saying that we're working on this game now. That's but, fair. Know, they had they, to announce that because they were taking it over for the first time. Remember the uh, first trailer for that? The I don't want to set the world on fire. The war war never changes. And it like backs out from like a bobblehead mm. on a bus to like a mm-hmm. wasteland. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I think mm-hmm. the game lived up to how cool that trailer was too. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. um, Yeah, they, they do have a very varied marketing antics though. I think for Fallout 76, there was like a 10 hour stream or something and it was just static the entire time and the whole time we had like news writers like is anything gonna oh, happen they like <laughs> to do we gotta like be to prepared. do countdowns or like mm-hmm. something's gonna be happening get yeah. ready yeah absolutely and it'll what be in the fallout like type base so it's like you know that it's like a fallout thing um well just to, to to bring it back to like what they talked about in this in this portion um i really like uh uh the we've all talked about this now but dialogue options that are like not you know, a parent. I really like it when you choose a dialogue option and then somebody calls you on it. They're like, you're just blowing smoke, man. Like, what are you talking about? And you think it's like the thing that you're using to convince. Like, that's like that's a an excellent version of dialogue tree story, you know, options in games. And I think the games are getting really cool that way. I think like um, Outer Worlds did a pretty good job with that. And then, uh, you know, but but there, there's also like the the thing like Mass Effect does where like I really like putting uh, but there's two there's two things one is that i like being able to like level up my dialogue option so i'm a, mm-hmm. like a you know a silver tongued person and can like get what i want through dialogue instead of fighting that's like one of my favorite things so i just hope that's preser- preserved in addition to the dialogue system that they're talking about yeah absolutely um well in more news on games with special dialogue consideration like that's <laughs> Is Dead Space remake um, the the devs say they're targeting? So this is new news as well. It was uh, live streamed last Friday, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it on Scoop since we record on Thursdays. Um, and Dead Space is a very game scoopy game. Uh, a bunch of us really like the series, so it was a little bit minimal news aside from the fact that they said they're targeting an early 2023 release window. Um, so so that was good to hear. Um, but we they. Dove really deep into some very like behind the scenes nerdy stuff of comparing the Dead Space. And if you're watching the, the video version right now, you can see that they're comparing the Dead Space remake 
with um, the original Dead Space and they went through a lot of specific audio um, advancements. So it was like really deep dive nerdy stuff, but I really appreciated it. Um, we learned a little bit more about the game um, covering all those audio systems. But the thing that really stuck out um, to me was Isaac's dialogue, which can apparently vary depending on how tired he is. Now, that's not the most like original idea. Obviously, you can be a little bit exasperated um, in certain uh, sections, but they actually have a whole system around it. It's called Alive. That's an acronym. Uh, and from from the stream, they said that EA Motive basically said that it will com- encompass all components of Isaac's breathing and heart rate, vocal excursions, and dialogue influenced by a variety of driving um, a variety of driving gameplay features. And Alive stands for Adrenaline, Limbic System Response, Intelligent Dialogue, Vitals, and Exertions. Um, and there'll be some in the inscripted dialogue scenes. There'll be three variants of every line based on his current current state, whether that's normal, fatigued, or injured. So it's just like a really cool, extra, additive, immersive detail. And it's it's nice to see these like minimal deep dives, like not a huge reveal of gameplay in Dead Space Remake, certainly, um, but some cool uh, advancements that they're they've been showing on this like incremental nerdy level. Uh, did it strike you guys as well, or was it just too too little for now? <laughs> One of my favorite things uh, in the universe is when people reverse engineer um, <laughs> uh, an acronym. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> clearly they didn't like naturally just like, oh my god, yeah. did you guys realize that this spells alive? Yeah. Wait, if you um, say vitals before this, then it spells yeah. alive. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, that being said, uh, the original Dead Space uh, was sort of known for having different like breathing states, and they talked about it during the uh, the Dev Diary, but um, it looks like they really want to take that ethos and just sort of explode it as much as they can with the new technology they have. Um, and I'm really excited to see that. I actually didn't play the original Dead Space. Um, I love horror games, but it's a newfound love because I was scared mm-hmm. of them for most of my life. Well, but now, uh, I'm not. Now I, have, I, I don't fear death. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to play this. And uh, all of these like little you know, bits and pieces seem like they're going to add up to a really compelling game. Um, hopefully, hopefully it does. Well, that's very exciting for you because having a remake of one of the best horror games ever <laughs> is, uh, and experiencing it for the first time ever sounds very exciting. I'm jealous that you get to experience it for the first time this way. I think it's really interesting how, I, I remember when Dead Space came out and people were like, yeah, this is very good. And over time, it has grown in esteem mm-hmm. to where people consider it as you're saying, Tina, one of the best horror games of all time. And I'm not going to necessarily disagree because it was memorable. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm really glad that EA is doing this remake. It looks like it's on track. It looks quite beautiful. I think that um, they've shown a surprising amount of care with games like, uh, this is a different development team, but the Mass Effect collection showed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they've taken a lot of learnings from what they did with that. And that was very successful. And I think that EA, it's been a rough decade for them, not mm-hmm. in terms of earnings, but in terms of critical reception, that kind of thing. So I think that they could use a, a little bit of a win in the court of public mm-hmm. opinion. And doing a really, really good Dead Space remake is a good way to kind of do that. And we are seeing what they have shown so far looks really promising. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, uh, it, this reminds me of, um, I, I think Red Dead probably d- innovated, Red Dead 2 innovated here in some ways. And I'm sure this existed before that. Cause I think I remember it from Uncharted games, but I really like when you mentioned the dialogue, um, you know, kind of, uh, 
escalating based on you know exasperation or or whatever. Um, I love when you're on like horses in Red Dead Two, and the and the conversation will keep going, but it'll like notch up in volume, mm-hmm. and then like you know Arthur's like shouting instead of you know talking. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And if you get too far away, it's like, well, I guess we'll finish the story later. Yeah, and it's so seamless. It was so well done, yeah. and it's just such a cool experience because there there are a lot of these moments that'll pull you. Like if you run into, um, you know, you run into an edge that shouldn't exist, or you know, there's all these like little game experiences where you're like, oh, yep, I'm playing a video game. It's a little reminder of that. So yeah, these little things they're not huge, obviously, but they do help with the experience and kind of immersing you into it. One thing that people might not notice in this Dead Space stuff, if you're like kind of following it but don't know a lot about the first Dead Space. Um, it's worth pointing out is that there's no HUD in Dead Space or there's a very minimal one. So what's on the back of Isaac is is was really innovative at the time is his mm-hmm. life in, in at wep, uh, ammo, maybe stamina or something like that. Uh, but that's what those like little meters are like mounted on his back. So it's like it's really it's really cool to do that. So then that made the heartbeat and the voice stuff um, part of your kind of in, intuitive understanding of a, of a health bar which is um, innovative and neat. Yeah, absolutely. The idea is to, you know, keep the, keep all of the text as, as minimal as possible. So you're just freaking out about shadows in the corners and doors that you have yet to open. Cause that's how I play horror games. I just stare at doors for a while. Yeah. Anybody else do that? Yeah. In the bathrooms, especially. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't even go in there. There's something in Never go store. in the bathroom. Do yeah. not go in bathrooms and horror games. <laughs> Except for control. I was like, that really threw me off because I kept like, I'd like eek in and then eek back out in case it would trigger something. And then I would go in a little bit slower and then peek around, like look at the mirror. I would assume like something might flash in the mirror or something like that. Classic horror movie experience, but nothing. Control bathrooms. Totally safe. You're totally fine in there. It's one Mm -hmm. exception. Our next list should be the most horrific bathrooms in horror games. I kind of love that. Yeah. yeah, Bioshock had some rough ones. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, how bad are they in Resident Evil? There has to be at least one yeah. horrific bathroom in Resident Evil. PT was really bad too. Oh bad yeah, it had an entire you know in the sink. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have exactly. to do things to progress in the bathroom too, so you can't just avoid it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Doom it's have a really one. terrifying bathroom. Yeah, maybe maybe Doom three. I don't know. It must be a Doom after Doom 1 or 2, right? So it could actually yeah. be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Uh, well, EA also said that while everything is currently in early alpha stage of development, that they should be a couple of weeks away from actually being able to show more extensive walkthrough of the game. Sounds like that could land somewhere in May or the summer. We know summer has plenty of reveals and activity. So we'll all stay tuned um, for that. More updates on Dead Space Remake. In the meantime, Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Nice. Uh, This question comes from Landon, uh, and we've got a great crew for this question. He says, I've never played a Pokemon game, but want to get into it. If any of you have played the most up-to-date games, I'd love to know where to start, especially since Arceus diverges from the traditional style of the games. Um, You sent us this question, and I thought about it a lot. Um, so to get through this quickly, uh, I have three non-answers and one actual answer. Uh, so I think the best games are Generation 2, which is Gold, Silver, and Crystal. Um, but they're kind of hard to go back to in the year 2022. Um, unless you're like, Because they're black and white? <laughs> no, they're not black and white. They're famously, you know, for the Game Boy Color. Um, Gold and Silver oh, had color. Game Boy Color, but they have... Yeah. Okay. I've never played those ones. <laughs> They're really good. Um, and the remakes, uh, Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver, are great. 
Yeah. So if you can get your hands on a DS and a copy of those, like that, those are my personal favorite Pokemon games. Um, however, the more up to date ones, I actually think Arceus is a pretty good place to start if you want to. It kind of has you on even footing with everyone because it's got a lot of new systems in it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It has the same core battle mechanics to it um, with some uh, distinct differences. Uh, and it's really fun to sort of explore. Um, it's an ugly game. But besides that, it's a lot of fun. Um, but my real answer, and this might surprise people, is it's definitely not like my, my favorite Pokemon game. But if you really want to sort of get into the series and have never touched it before, Pokemon Let's Go actually, I don't think, is a bad place to start. Um, I agree. It's, it's re-remakes of the first generation. It's the original 151 Pokemon. Um, it's got a lot of uh, Pokemon Go uh, parts to it, especially as far as catching Pokemon goes. It's very easy, but I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it'll give you a good idea of like, if you like that game, then yeah, you like Pokemon, you know? So that, that's my, that's my actual answer. I would not play those games because I think they're bad. But <laughs> sorry, Colin. <laughs> I, I think that at their heart, Pokemon has always been a live service game going mm. all the way back to when they originally started. It actually secretly was an innovator in that space. It's the original Destiny. So you want to start with the most, the latest one and not Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. It's fine. I guess <laughs> it's kind of a classic Pokemon thing, but you should just start with Sword and Shield. So latest mm. generation. Um, you can't, it's kind of the most refined, uh, of the core Pokemon games. It's actually very good, especially if you get the expansions. Please ignore all of the vitriol and the kind of the toxic discourse around these games. They're actually very good. They're very fun, especially the expansions. And they will give you a great foothold for going into the next generation. And if you want to enjoy Classic Pokemon, can I recommend that you pick up a Nintendo 3DS <laughs> and download the original Pokemon Red on your Nintendo 3DS? You can actually move the Pokemon from that game into Pokemon Home. Just do it fast because the 3DS eShop will not be supported pretty soon. So you'll want to hurry on that one. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, Legends Arceus is a, it's a pretty fun taster, but it's very different mm -hmm. from the core Pokemon games in a lot of respects. Um, so it's a different flavor. I think for sure, but I would start with Sword and Shield. Just mm. go for it. Go for the core, the core games, or wait until Violet, yeah, uh, Violet and Scarlet come out later this year because they will be far more refined than mm. Sword and Shield. So I'm going to yeah. navigate right between uh, those recommendations because I think that uh, playing the latest Pokemon is important. I think that that that, that would be a, a first recommendation. But I think the 151 is the most important thing about Pokemon. I think to me and to get people into it, I don't think they've ever made a set of monsters that are uh, uh, that can fit in your pocket that are as, as cool as those Pokemon. And nor are they as iconic, right? Like every every 151 Pokemon is a meme. They just are. They're, they're part of our popular culture. And I think it's essential to know them and then the types associated with them and kind of know that. That's like the fabric of Pokemon that it's built upon, I think. I think it's all about those mons. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, to that end, I also would recommend Let's Go, but only if you're doing that as like, a, oh, I might want to get into this with a friend or a kid or something like that, that like may not have like a lot of video game chops. Right. Because like that game, anybody can play, which is important. Um, the 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 cheat here is Pokemon Go. And unfortunately, uh, you'd need a time machine 
because I don't think Pokemon Go is as fun now that there's, you know, mm. 700 Pokemon in it. I think the 151 were really fun. I think that was like a really special time for people to learn about Pokemon and get into Pokemon. So I would do Let's Go or Sword and Shield. I think those are both great uh, until I haven't played Sword and Shield. So I was going to recommend um, the, uh, uh, um, oh my gosh, it just slipped my mind, but it's the, the Alolan one. What is it called? It's called Sun and oh, Moon. Sun and Moon. Moon. Yes. It's hard to keep track of all these because I, I really like that one. I really like the Hawaiian uh, theme. It was really cool and like felt really good for Pokemon. And I like the Alolan versions of Pokemon. I think that was like a, a good twist, like a tropical twist to a lot of the your favorite Pokemon. But since uh, Kat has endorsed Sword and Shield, I totally trust Kat. And I totally go with that over having to get a 3DS at this oh, point. Right? Thank you. <laughs> So the solution, obviously, is to get into a time machine and go back to 2016 yeah. so you can play the original release of Pokemon Go yeah. when everybody was crazy for it. Or maybe there'll be like a world pandemic and it was just a much better time in the world in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Real. <laughs> Little did we know. Yeah. Yeah, but then we'd have to live through everything since then all over again. I think I'm good to just keep this. But then you get in the time machine. You're playing Pokemon Go, but you're also warning the world about what's to come. Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. Get your okay. get your Dratinis now. <laughs> you won't like be able to. Novel. Yeah. Um, well, awesome tips all around. I suppose minus the time travel only because we just don't have access to that yet. But um, I love the diversity of opinion, too. I think that should be helpful for our listeners. Lots of different ways to tackle lots of different series. So great to have different perspectives on that. And on that note, it is time for 20 questions. Uh, our suggestion this week comes from Wesley, who comes from Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, he has a quick uh, thing to share before we get into it. Uh, he says, I had the pleasure of meeting you and the crew briefly at the Game Scoop 500 episode in San Francisco a few years back. Just wanted to say I appreciate your humor and insights immensely and wish you all the best in all of your endeavors. Thank oh. you so much, Wesley. That's so sweet. Oh. Yeah. And that was such a good time. I, I, I had a really great time at Game Scoop 500. It was great. Um, Good booster pronunciation there. Nailed that. Thanks. I have family there. <laughs> East Coast and all. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, with that, let the questioning begin. Um, did Harry Potter exist when this game came out? 1997. Nice. Let's start. Wait, you said 1997 is when Harry yeah. Potter came out? Yes. Yeah. I thought it was 98. Okay, so it's 97 or earlier is what you're saying. No, no. Exist. You said did it exist when this came out? So 97 or Yeah, right. so yes. So Sam's right. But it did it did exist when this game came out. Yes. Okay. Harry Potter gotcha. existed gotcha. when this game came out. I shouldn't have asked yeah. that question if I couldn't understand the answer. <laughs> no, it's good. That's good. We know it's 97 onwards. That, that's okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Is it 2D? Sorry, what'd you say? Is it 2D? No. 2D or not 2D? That is the question. I'm trying to keep notes while we go. Um... Did, uh, uh, is this available on the Nintendo Switch? No. Okay. Is it smaller than a bread box? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, is this game on a see, disc or okay, a cartridge? So it's 3D. Or you have to ask or a yes or not no. 2D. Oh, that's right. Is this game mm. on a cartridge? Not, no, not a cartridge. Okay. Not a cartridge. Is it on a CD? Um, let me refresh. She has to check. It's definitely yeah. downloadable in some way, right? Um, okay. She checks. I think, I think I want to go down the platform exclusive route after this. Okay. 
How does one Google this very quickly? Mm, wait, we, so the question was, was it on a disc? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yes. it's available in some hard capacity on a disc. Um, riddle me this, Tina. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this a platform exclusive? Yes. That'll help us. Hmm. Probably not Nintendo, but it could be a previous Nintendo system. So I guess we would. It could be. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it exclusive to a PlayStation platform? No. no. Same question. Oh, Xbox. That narrows it down a little no. bit. Okay. <laughs> Great. So I guess Nintendo. <laughs> so it's a it's a Nintendo exclusive. Are you asking? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> it's not playable on Switch. Uh, it could be PC so or Apple, is- so we don't really know. Apple, <laughs> but if it's on a disc, if it's uh, if it's on yeah. Apple, and I can't think of many. I mean, okay, so PC games that came after '98 that are a platform exclusive, I can't think of many. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting into pretty esoteric territory S- here. So is it basically League of Legends? If it's Nintendo, then I guess it would have. But it's to on be a disc. I don't think League of Legends Wii. was ever on a disc. <laughs> That's weird. Um, well, I think we need to find out if it's a Nintendo platform exclusive because I think we'll get it if it is. Okay. Is this a Nintendo platform exclusive? Yes. Okay, so then that gives okay. us only GameCube Wii U, right? GameCube Wii Wii U. No, not necessarily. Wii and Wii U. Okay, it's not Switch. Because it's not on a cartridge. Yeah. It's not on a cartridge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. GameCube, GameCube or Wii, Wii U. Wii U. Okay. Is this a um, Wii game? Yes. Okay. Oh, so okay. that's ten, by the way. Okay. Platform exclusive. We don't know if it's developed by Nintendo. We don't know if it's published by Nintendo. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do we want to ask if it's that? Platform exclusive. <clears throat> well, let's see. The games that were platform exclusives on the Wii were like Wii Sports, Mario Galaxy, um, Zach and Wiki. <laughs> Various others, yeah. Is this is this game is this game part of a series that has a sequel on Switch right now? That's a very specific question. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Part of a series that has a sequel on Switch, so it's not Zelda. Yeah, it's not Mario. It's not Mario. It, it could be Wii Sports. Not Metroid. Well, Wii, Wii Sports. Wii uh, technically, it's not. Technically, the new Wii Sports yeah. is not out. Yeah, that's what I said right yeah. now. So uh, I'm just trying to narrow it down. I, I, I suspect it's going to be a, a sporty game. Wii Fit? Wii Fit, that's a good one. So, like, do you want to ask if this game is a sport or lifestyle game? Sure. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk a little bit about what we have eliminated, because we have eliminated Smash and Kart also, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a bunch of things that, that were just eliminated. So I think it would have Zelda to be gun. a little bit odd to be a Switch mm-hmm. game. Now, I'm not sure. There's a brain training game on Switch now, but I'm not sure about Wii Fit. There's Ring Fit. Does that count? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that would be completely different. Wii Fit's not right. technically Ring Fit. They're on. There's separate categories. They're different games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not part of the, the Fit. Remember on, on NES Box Art, they have a the little category in the corner. Yeah, Fit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So maybe I don't know. Would a lifestyle game question make sense? Well, what about this? What about uh, are sure. they primarily focused on motion controls? That might be one. 
I mean, it's a Wii game. Or what about a peripheral Rude. question? Did this does this game yes. include or use a peripheral? That's a good. Yes, okay. it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Should we ask? Do we should we pop the question? Well, what if we could? Uh, should we ask if this is a playable character in Smash Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, why not we have plenty of questions to ask could it be anything yeah. else though because there's like the attachment we fit we remote plus and everything like that but i think it's that's cool. true i think it probably is okay go for it is it we fit we fit it is we wow. fit hey! job. you guys got it on 12 questions and and sam yeah, seriously, you guys did such an incredible job. Um, that was fun to watch. Uh, there's so many mini games. I was prepared for you guys to ask very hyper specific questions, like do you oh, shoot yeah. things in this game? And sure. so I like yeah. looked up all the mini games. There's a ton. There's actually some puzzle specific stuff. So if you guys asked about is there like a puzzle element in this game, I would have had to say yes. And then Sam, your question, if you made it slightly less specific, was going to be really fun for me because yeah. technically the Wii Fit is part of a series which is called the Wii series. And I actually got this confirmed through Damon, who um, this week, a oh. bit of a tease of what he's working on. He's been hanging out with Reggie Filame. So literally, mm-hmm. Reggie Filame has confirmed for 20 questions that we is part of a series. Whoa, um, that's so, so it was, cool. It was We Fit, we and then it was We universe. Fit Plus, We Fit You Plus, and then We Sports counts as part of that same the We Wii series. series. Yeah. We Play Wii was one series. of them. Yeah. But we never got the vitality sensor. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Vitality right. sensor is in our hearts, and it's going at Indeed. 100 beats per minute. <laughs> that would be so fun Indeed. if that prototype shows up someday, and somebody buys it on eBay for like a hundred thousand dollars, like all Nintendo prototypes. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's just the paperwork for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Don't forget that you can email Damon at gamescoop at ign.com with topics and suggestions for our next 20 questions selection. He'll be making his momentous demonic, if you will, return next week. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Alan, working behind the scenes. This has been IGN Game Scoop, and we're out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.